Look, we're so educational in this episode. Amazing. This could be a teaching aid in the public education system. Uh, you're going to have to pay a fee on Jay's store to access this episode. <laughs> um... Someone uh, DM'd us on our uh, Thoughts on Arts account, responding to my Ram Cool Hus um, meme, uh, saying they actually really enjoyed the show. Okay. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) I uh, replied with a shruggy, because uh, I still have no idea what this show's about. Uh, It's about data. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's a show about nothing much ado yeah. about nothing yeah exactly uh as Ooh. i said to you in a chat i can go to Eurostat and see what's happening in agriculture <laughs> and get a clear picture and that's all i need is he an architect i'm just pleading to- <laughs> total total ignorance i have no idea who this ram Kulhas is honestly honest to god Oh, okay, I thought you were joking. No, he's a no. huge architect, yeah. Okay, did he do anything that I would know? He did that CCTV building in China, the one that, you know, is like a Taurus, basically. So he's in a big China pocket? <laughs> big China pocket. Uh, oh, he did that hideous new Axel Springer headquarters uh, extension in Berlin, which is atrocious. Is that the Julia Shoschek residence? (laughs) It's very close, actually. It's almost across the street from the collection. I I thought she was shacking up with one of the Springers. They might be married. I'll have to consult an article. So for now, I'll say allegedly. Um, Of course. And he did the new addition to the Contemporary Arts Museum in Tel Aviv, if I'm not mistaken another huge project i think the biggest okay no i think the cctv must be the most well-known project but kind of a really iconic one before that is the seattle public library Mm -hmm. uh, which i visited last year and it was an amazing building but i mean that said it's a library it's i can't believe I can't believe I'm going on D-Zine for any type of information, <laughs> but here I am well, on uh, dzine.com looking up uh, <laughs> some information about the contemporary wing of the uh, the new wing of the Contemporary Arts Museum in Tel Aviv. It's, uh, it's a beautiful building. It's like a, this weird ge- like geometric like labyrinth, but it's just... It's perfect for anything but viewing art. Like, the galleries are like offshoots they're like off to the sides of like these really uh, insane like cornrows like um labyrinth uh sorry i gotta gotta get past this brain fart um and most of the building is uh is underground oh well it's just these one of those buildings where it's just it's for like architecture fetishists it yeah. serves zero purpose and functionality to the general public yeah well that's often an issue with architecture i think the most successful architecture is when you don't really notice it because it's much functioning. like uh, much like good uh face job 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you see it, something went wrong. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to, uh, who are some good faces out there? I want to say Demi Moore. Oh, yeah. She looks amazing. Uh, That's a good face. Susan Sarandon. True. Do they just keep taking fat away from her huge jugs? <laughs> um, J-Lo. I mean, I feel like JLo's been she she's very starting conservative to, with it. Yeah, she's starting to venture into like go-go dancer territory, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no one but it's nowhere near our leader Madonna, unfortunately. <laughs> I honestly can't tell you what exactly happened there. I think it it transpired somewhere somewhere around the uh, Tears of a Clown era. Yeah, I think there was some major hormonal imbalance involved because <sighs> she, for the very first time in her life, uh, had gained weight. Weight. It was probably the steroids because of her hip slash the so. butt injections and uh, that notorious performance that uh, took place. Uh, during art basel like <laughs> five six years ago really a really sad show oh, by madonna God. called tears of a clown don't she, look it uh, up <laughs> she sang uh easy ride if i'm not mistaken from american life and which dedicated i love it, dedicated it to uh rocco who was refusing to have any <laughs> contact with her at that time because he wanted to dress as a british popper <laughs> <laughs> what is that era of style called even it's not it's not popper per se because there is some style yeah. and elegance to it no it, it looks like a like a 1940s reporter <laughs> Tr- true true there's some like uh not clark clark kent's like assistant at the uh at the publishing house i forget um, he, he looks like someone who it's like hot on the trail of something that he needs to get to the bottom of. Yeah. He looks like an elegant newsie, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He could be in Newsies, the musical. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Anyways, she, I guess they, they had a falling out or something like that. I can't figure out for the life of me why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was, uh, it was Guy Ritchie was actually bad mouthing her. Uh, I'm sure. Did they have a like a terrible falling out post divorce or do you remember anything? Uh I believe he got a huge settlement, so I think she's embittered by that and rightfully so. Um I mean he's not a bad director. I remember seeing Snatch Lock Snow <laughs> No, I've never seen that. Lockstock and uh barrel, whatever that is called. F- fetch the bolt barrel. Oh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. That was a fun, uh, like, British crime comedy. Uh, when I was in high school, I remember in... God, what class was it? It was, like, World Issues or World Affairs, something like that. And the teacher... Was it, a coca- was it Caucasian-centered? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was about the world since 1945, so it generally was. <laughs> And 
uh, the teacher would have us basically do like sharing, you know, like when you're a kid and you talk about what you didn't, which is basically what we do now on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I grew up in Israel. I don't, I don't understand the concept of sharing. Can you illuminate it? <laughs> Wait, I think because people there are constantly just oversharing anyway. <laughs> in Israel, no, we're, we're, no, in America you overshare. In Israel, no, no, you oh, either, yeah, oh yeah, uh, in Israel you undershare and you just uh, you encroach. <laughs> That's the that's the mo. Um, I guess maybe it's like real time. You're aware everything mm-hmm. you've described to me. You're you're aware of what people are doing real time. You don't know what they did before because they're not oversharing. Whereas in America, they're uh, delving into the past and oversharing. I mean, I went to the the mail place by my house to drop off something before Christmas. I wanted to send it out and. This lady in front of me online, just like unsolicited, started gushing and telling her entire, like, you know, recent life story to the guy. Oh and, like, nobody wants to hear that. And oh it God. should, like, a, a semblance of shame should be reintroduced into the public sort of discourse here so that people don't feel that comfortable. <laughs> just oversharing personal things. It's so inelegant. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's called emotional labor for a reason so yeah exactly google it people um Um, yeah just like madonna said i want the good life but i don't want an easy (laughs) ride what i want is to work for it feel the blood and sweat on my fingertips that's what i want for me and not give away half yeah uh much like the art world um (laughs) well speaking of easy ride today was not an easy ride because i told off some teenagers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some hoodlums in your village yeah some uh bahure um <laughs> wait what's that word you use we use that in hebrew i, I know you do <laughs> were you baiting um, me uh, no i'm not <laughs> I, i'm not jay baiting you um uh bahor is uh i always say bahur um is uh like a hooligan or a hoodlum uh well bahur in hebrew is just like a it's like a young fella, like well, yeah. a, a guy, a yeah. teen. So it's uh, it's the same thing, but you know, it's a it's a context thing. Yeah, it, it's like uh, it's not as crass as saying a little shit, but it's like you're mm-hmm. you're getting into that territory. Um, well, I'm glad my culture is finding its way in the worst possible contexts <laughs> to other languages. Well, it's our shared culture. Um, true. <laughs> like uh balagan (laughs) true this word there are some others that uh yeah it was all happening in the same place (laughs) so what what were they up to so they were okay so full disclosure we are recording this a day before it comes out right now um so today's the 30th actually you're hearing this on the 31st or later um they were setting off, you know, those insane fireworks that sound like bombs going off? Mm-hmm. Like the ones that, like the one someone threw in my face at a bar in Berlin. Oh my God. And was, that this, pre, was that pre or post uh, uh, stomach, uh, stomach <laughs> issues, post pizza eating? Uh, which, by the way, stomach issues was exactly one year ago today. Oh, happy anniversary. Thanks. Shout out to friend of the pod, Ika, and our fun trip to Tom's. <laughs> you should sue that pizza place. I, I remember where it is. Um, so, yeah, they were setting off these fireworks, 
and I had just had it because like all the dogs in the village were going insane. My dog was going crazy or my parents' dog. I had to like put her in the house. She was so scared. And I was working in this uh, studio that a neighbor's letting me use or this uh, garage across the street for me to paint some larger works. And even in there, it sounded like basically someone threw this bomb against the door, you know, like the garage door um, in like a sealed building. Were they from a neighboring village or? Uh, Some of them are from the village. Some I didn't recognize. And then finally I had had it and I went over to them and sorry to sound like a loser, but I'm 35 and they're like 16. So someone has to parent. Were they Uh, cute? No. Okay. This is something I'm going to get to in a second. Um, so it was like mostly guys, a few girls. Uh, I was like, is this you setting off bombs? And then one of them's like, uh, it's a petard, <laughs> a, a petard, <laughs> which is the other work for word for fireworks in Polish. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, a uh, petard. Well, uh, my father has had two heart attacks and heart surgery so you need to stop this right now and you're also scaring all the other dogs or all the animals in the village and i know you don't care but you need to stop wait until tomorrow they're like oh we're sorry we didn't know and um and it stopped so it worked amazing (laughs) because i had had it and it's like it's stressing me out it's like me and my dad were working outside someone blew one of these off a few days ago it's like we both jump and it's just like it's not good for anyone. And like I said, I worry about him. He's mm-hmm. had heart issues. It's stressful uh, when something's suddenly blowing up when you don't expect it, especially if you're working outside like on a ladder, like oh, all these yeah, things. Of and um, so that got me thinking this whole like Alexander Wang thing has <laughs> transpired. The accusations. What? Which accusations? Uh, about like inappropriately touching people and slipping things in drinks and like plying with alcohol. Blah, blah, blah. I haven't, re- I, haven't uh, I haven't read anything about that. Uh, okay, it's uh, been all over Diet Prada, your favorite account. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I blocked that along with <laughs> yeah. Jordan Firstman's account. Oh yeah, uh, hey Jordan Firstman's account. Some other ones, yeah. If you if one of our listeners do like jo- Jordan Firstman, you can go ahead and unsubscribe to our podcast. <laughs> right now. We don't want you as a follower. <laughs> um. So that dir- dirty schmata. <laughs> yeah. Another word we share in our uh, joint languages. True. <laughs> um, wait, what was I talking about? I got derailed mentally. Uh, Alexander Wang. Oh, Alexander Wang. Yeah. No. So then I was thinking it was like Alexander Wang and like this fetishization of youth and youth culture and all that. And I'm just like, why are like, I get why people are obsessed with youth. And no one wants to get old and die. But it's like, have most people seen teenagers like out in public? <laughs> like they're not cute. They dress terribly. Like they're doughy. And I don't mean like, oh, they're chubby or something. Just like yeah. they have malformed features. This whole group was standing there and it's like. They never have anything smart to say. Yeah. And like they're just annoying and they're twerps. And 
I get it because I was an annoying teenager. Yeah. But at least I wasn't like a piece of shit that was causing chaos. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, what's what's the alternative? I think teens, for example, in like New York or other big cities come with such a sense of entitlement that they like, you know, own the world, essentially. So coupled with inexperience and lack of having anything like interesting or sophisticated to say, they feel like they are entitled to, you know, the future yeah. generation of this society. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, as Jerry Seinfeld said, we live in a society. <laughs> No, that was George. Oh, in that the was Chinese, George. That's Chinese right. Chinese restaurant episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah. Also, we, in that very same episode, they came up with a very smart idea that maybe police uh, police officers on their spare time could just grab grab a broom and <laughs> clean up the city when they have nothing else to do. Uh, yeah. So we live in a society. Um, totally. I mean, yeah. I can I can dedicate a whole episode to uh, my th- <laughs> my three one one log records when, <laughs> when I called and filed complaints about numerous things. Like one time, we were living on the Lower East Side, and across the street from us, like I get it, the Lower East Side is like a cesspool of every possible like disgusting feature in uh, urban life. But like across the street from us, one of the like chimney tops from like one of the tenement buildings started spewing like 24 7 the blackest of smokes <laughs> and Which i was like no. was burning garbage oh really yeah and like i thought to myself that can't be good like it's gonna yeah. the wind's gonna blow in my direction at some point so i called 311 and like they i also like you know calling 311 in the city you're like you don't want to get anyone like arrested by mistake and so you yeah. think twice before you file any complaint here like um around independence day the city was essentially it was just bedlam here with like fireworks going off everywhere people just felt God. like it was just anarchy anyways the the deli on a street corner here just was like doing these crazy fireworks around the clock and then on independence day it like crescendoed like crazy and kasha my bulldog just was going crazy so i went down and i gave him a talking to but like i was heavily assessing like the risk before I went down because like you know you don't want to get the shit beat out of you but you also don't want to get the wrong person like arrested because police here is uh, yeah a little too uh trigger happy yeah well I wasn't worried about these teens because I could take them all with one hand because mm-hmm. they're <laughs> they're serving major Justin Bieber uh body proportions. And I mean Justin Bieber, Which age sixteen. Oh, I mean, okay. believe Justin Bieber. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so yeah, basically, you know, uh, for every Zac Efron out there, there's uh, about ten million um, lame-ass teens. So, wait, Zac Efron is your your best example? Is no, he the but top you know of the I mean? teen crop for you. <laughs> No, but I know you like him. <laughs> he has a uh, he he roughened in a he looks like a uh, a well done steak. <laughs> oh yeah, now now he looks sun kissed. <laughs> he d- yeah. Um, he looks ruddy, just like uh, yeah. what what's his name from A Star Is Born with Gaga, Jackson Maine. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Colorado sun kissed, like Marfa Art Festival. 
That movie was amazing, though. I should watch it again. Yeah, You've watched it, right? Yeah, I watched it in the theater, and then I saw it on the plane. And then I put it on Netflix really for my movie. mom. That was just the peak of uh, Gaga, the singular yeah. peak. Remember our major karaoke moment in Warsaw when we did Shallow? Um, how can I forget it? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and the, te- the teens around us were so impressed nothing like belting out a tune in a foreign city surrounded by suburban teens uh yeah who uh, are impressed like, who are impressed yeah and and then we even befriended one of the voice poland contestants oh true and then we like and then he we saw him again at that bar when i was wearing the madame x shirt yes and I took over the DJ pool and it was only oh playing Madame X songs. Yes. Yes. I love that bartender. She let us do everything. She let you vape inside with your jewel. Oh, yeah. She, she let- was such a, she was like a Polish uh, version of um, Michael's mother from Queer as Folk. <laughs> totally. And it was at a gay bar. And she let you plug your jewel into the cash register to charge she it. She was so nice. Yeah. The battery. Yeah. The, it was almost out of juice. <laughs> Then she let you man the iPad and play only Madame X. <laughs> that was such a good moment. Oh, so good. I want to go back. Yeah, me too. Um, oh unrelated. I'm also seeing that Rem Coolhouse did the uh, new museum. What? That's him. No. Yep. No, there's yep. a new... No, Rem Coolhouse is doing an addition. The, oh, really? Yeah. The oh, okay. uh, new museum was a Japanese architect. I believe it's called Sana. Oh, okay you should know that's your yeah. that's your background <laughs> yeah for people who don't know i worked in architecture for six months and left <laughs> <laughs> and i was a i was a barista at the coffee bean and tea leaf <laughs> <laughs> like like perez hilton <laughs> really no no he oh would just God. sit there that was like his headquarters the coffee bean and tea leaf at hollywood and vine <laughs> That was my version of the uh, the f- the first like McDonald's job. What's what's Mc- what's a McDonald's slogan for their first job? Like the best first job or something like that. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So mine was at the Coffee Bean oh, and Tea Leaf, which I think still only exists in like there's like an enclave in the West Coast that has it, and some like uh, Singapore locations or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, uh, a good friend of mine from university. Uh, from he's from saskatchewan he now lives in la and he's an architect for coffee bean and tea leaf wow so maybe that we, has such a like tacky aesthetics of the the interiors you see on curb <laughs> well, like I think maybe, they're changing now <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah they're making it look a little more sophisticated but i remember like remember old starbucks aesthetic too it was it was like 90s funky coffee house I uh, I only moved here six years ago, and we had Starbucks briefly in Israel for like a year and a half. Um, Israelis just didn't take uh, it didn't take in Israel. Mm. I don't know why. We also had Dunkin' Donuts for like a brief three years, and oh, went yeah. out of business. KFC too. God knows why. Really, KFC is so huge internationally because everyone loves chicken. That's really I shocking. Think- I think the Kashrut thing like made people suspicious of what's really uh. hiding under the batter. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but I am happy to announce that they're opening a Popeyes right by my house. Oh my god, amazing! They have yeah. it in Winnipeg now. I'm shocked. Can't wait to yeah. go. 
just uh, apropos architecture, I just shared with you that link uh, like 30 minutes ago. They're opening the Moynihan train hall here in the city across the street from uh, from Penn Station, which is also undergoing uh, pretty extensive renovations. Um, and that building used to be the old like postmaster's of office, I guess, on, God, like 8th Avenue and 36th Street. Uh, and I was just uh, browsing their like art commission uh, selection from the, from the hall, and what do we have there? Um, I'm really impressed a- that they've commemorated an entire station to SNL's Bobby Moynihan. So. <laughs> Who is Bobby Moynihan? <laughs> he's that he's that thick snack of a man. <laughs> you know the funny one, the one who would play Snooky. Oh, he's so <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah, he's so funny. <laughs> I love him. I don't know how SNL throughout the years was able to get these like exact facsimiles of the same like burly type. Totally. Like for decades they had a version of this guy essentially. Yeah. I should have gone into improv. Yeah, totally. If only he I was could... ge- he, he was genuinely funny. Oh yeah, he's so funny. Um, um, one of his best characters was the the fat guy from Lost. You remember him? Oh yeah. Um, uh, I saw Chris Parnell on the street once in New York. Oh my god, that's, that's a, a name si- I forgot. He's he's in that similar template too, like the kind oh, of yeah. goofy chubby guy. He, uh, he was he had such a pervy like vibe to him. Totally. Yeah, he'd be like the man in a trench coat that would appear in a. Totally. What's the what, what's the fat guy, the comedian who died of overdose? The SNL cast Chris guy. Farley. Oh yeah. So I, I think he was like the he was like the archetype that oh, sort totally. of, uh, set this in motion. Um well I've been really enjoying all these like late eighties, early nineties skits that I've been watching with Julia S- uh, Sweeney. Oh, she's so funny. Um they had such a good run for it. They should just call it a day, though, at this point. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, because even um, our Kreen, <laughs> Kristen Wiig, that episode just wasn't funny. Damn, and that face. She went there. Yeah. Uh, also, so people don't think we only talk about women's faces, let's just talk about Joe Biden's face for a minute. <laughs> As my dad always uh, points out. <laughs> That face is looking snatched. <laughs> is it looking snatched? I don't know at what point who thought it was a good idea to like ha- send him to the uh, send him to the doctor to send, see a man about a horse. <laughs> send him to Doctor Orion. <laughs> I just don't understand these procedures that don't really do anything to like turn back time on your face because he's clearly a 78 year old man and so yeah. those fillers in the upper cheek area don't really do anything except for giving him that sort of cat eye look yeah maybe he has that thread thing happening like gaga loves you know the thread that pulls your face up god how does that even work that sounds like a chinese torture it's an actual thing i saw wendy get it done on her show live on air oh my god and they actually like put um kind of the sterile thread in your face mm-hmm. and uh it kind of pulls back and then the thread dissolves over a few months i believe or gets removed or something what did she famously said she was waiting for to uh, get a breast reduction wait gaga 
No, Wendy. Oh, Wendy. Oh, I don't think there's like a a specific event. It's like she always mentions like I'm so happy with them. I'll you know I'll know I'll know one's time. Like there's some sort of something will click and she's gonna get rid of them. That's what she always alludes to. Right. I think she's just post Joan Rivers death. She's like slightly yeah sort of weary of having them touched. Actually, that's true. Also, speaking of Wendy, I cannot wait for the Lifetime made-for-TV movie that's premiering in a month. Exactly. Oh Who's and, playing her? Uh, an unknown actress. Uh, but there's also going to be a documentary about Wendy airing right after the made-for-TV movie. Who's playing her assistant on uh, on the set? <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing so Suzanne? Funny. Oh my god. <laughs> Who's playing Black Betty Boop? <laughs> Who's playing the glittered burger phone or oh whatever god. that was? Shoe cam. <laughs> you think there's gonna be a Drew Barrymore crossover? <laughs> Who's playing DJ Boof? <laughs> oh my god. He keeps taking off his mask. <laughs> no, she has a new DJ. DJ Boof's done. I think they had an affair. Well, now, whoever's whoever's the DJ yeah. now keeps taking off his mask. It's I hope D- they get regularly tested. <laughs> they do. She always talks about the testing going on. It's DJ Sus One is the new DJ. Um, Sounds racial. <laughs> uh, and then, God, who's that hype man she has? He's hot. The beefy one. Oh, no idea. Mm. Um. Anyways, can we just backtrack for a second? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back to the Moynihan train hall. <laughs> beautiful architectural structure. They, I guess, were lamenting the, like, the, you know, the historic loss of Penn Station, which kind of, you know, triggered the Preservation Act. <laughs> which is a dumb uh, era. Yeah. You know that, you know that historical tidbit, though, right? So they they tore down the original Penn Station, which which was very kind of similar to uh, it was mostly a steel structure with this insane like uh, glass uh, glass arc ceiling, mm-hmm. similar to uh, similar to Grand Central Station. And in 1963 or two or so, the station was demolished, and that caused such an uproar because it was such a such a beautiful monument that it kind of jump started the uh, the National Preservation Movement. Ah, uh, okay. Which in turn led to the you know passing of that bill so they're not touching anything of that value anymore in the city but in this case after the atrocity of penn station which is how would you even describe the like the architectural atrocity of penn station well it's i guess like sad brutalism (laughs) that would you even call that brutalism uh isn't there like a bunch of concrete i mean it's like a very heavy modernist building but so much of it is underground um yeah and it's not just underground it's like very low ceilings underground yeah um uh anyways they're renovating that but they also expanded over across the street to what used to be the uh the old postmaster building and that's like neoclassical architecture if i'm not mistaken um and of course they commissioned some art in the building because they have all this like ceiling real estate now and so there's a kahinda wiley like backlit stained glass triptych that's called go and it honestly looks like 
screenshots from Madonna's music video for <laughs> Jump. Jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's like par- parkour in the sky, which is a little silly if you ask me. I mean, mm. Kahinda Wiley is clearly talented, but is also extremely tasteless. <laughs> Is he the one who, sorry if I'm making a, a racial faux pas now, but who's the artist who's living in Liberia or like Senegal? Oh, uh, okay. He lives in Beijing mostly, but. No, there's one who lives no, in no, like but he's, West Africa. But, he's, but he started a, kind of like a residency studio uh, kind of compound. Uh, let's see. Kendi Wiley residency program uh, in in Senegal. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's I called Black Rock. Yeah. Um, I don't know. His work's just tacky AF. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, have I mean, else I think to. I think the f- I think it was really something new when he started making it, but it's that constant trap of a super successful artist where it's just like more I mean, of the, the same. <sighs> the artist frames are just atrocious <laughs> it's yeah it's like, just that time it's like that you know it's like uh very pomo i don't know i i just i truly have nothing to add on to that i hate it that much yeah. um then another commission in that building is um where was it a permanent installation by um your favorite artist duo. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Elm Green and Drag Set, which uh, I shared the picture with you and I was like, wow, that's so beautiful and it fits just perfectly in the Moynihan <laughs> Hall. And you're like, I've seen this before. <laughs> I popped your balloon. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's really beautiful. It's like an upside down, like, um, like, uh, God, why am I? Like an architectural s- cityscape, like a in model form. Yeah, but it's an actually it's a light fixtures. Yeah, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> um, sorry to be shady. It's okay. <sighs> Didn't they do the the LGBT memorial in Berlin, the Holocaust? They memorial? did. Yes, which looks like uh, one of those blocks, which is. Right? Is that the idea that it mirrors one of those uh, Stella yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe, uh, across the street, there's the Elm Green and Drag Set piece, which is a block with a viewing hole, and you see a video of two men embracing, which... In black and white. I yeah. love it. I think it's so... I mean, I think it's one of their best works, but I think there's been so much garbage and sorry if they're listening to this or any of their friends are listening since we're all closely intertwined since, uh, you know, you and I are Berlin adjacent. What, you don't like the ATM stuck in a slab (laughs) of uh, Berlin Mauer? Yeah, the (laughs) Berlin Wall, for those of you who don't speak German. That uh, was such a like. It took me a second to realize it wasn't a Banksy piece. That exactly. ATM. So, so like you said, tasteless. That to me is so tasteless. Not tasteless in the way that I find it offensive or something, but just like it's like a dumb tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's it's dumb and tacky and 
it's like uh what's that other like alec monopoly like brad tremello makes fun of it's like to look it even up. below banksy it's like one of these other shitty like mr brainwash type artists would make was he on gallery girls no but when we were in Miami, I think we drove past or walked past like an Alec Monopoly pop-up exhibition. It's like, uh, what's that Monopoly man called? You're a big Monopoly fan. God, I don't know what it's called. The, the capitalist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Alec Monopoly paints that, um, capitalist pig of a man, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, with like graffiti backgrounds. <laughs> like you've seen those Brad Trammell memes for sure. Yeah. I, I don't have the heart to hate those things. <laughs> it's, it's such, it's not even punching down because that would assume that I think of myself as better than that work. It's just outside of my realm. So I'm going to not comment on that. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's just, it's one of these uh, things that someone becomes a very rich doing somehow. But yeah. not somehow, because I totally understand. Uh, he has a fun piece. It. He has a fun piece that's like The Last Supper, and it's everyone with like bags of dollars uh, from like Mr. Burns to Richie Rich to like uh, Scrooge McDuck. Is that his name? Um, <laughs> yeah. And Pink Panther and that gang. Anyways, uh, funny the Chimichan Monopoly in preparation of tomorrow's new year celebration or today's <laughs> year celebration i had pre-purchased two editions of monopoly to bring to my in-laws because we're still in a, in a covid bubble um i got a metropolitan museum of arts edition of monopoly which is super <laughs> fun the tokens are like um the ballet dancer of uh is that rodin who who made the okay, which one I zoned out. The ballet dancer. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but this is a good lead into the next thing we want to talk about. <laughs> Degas. Sorry, it's a Degas. Wait, and just, just one last thing. And then the other edition I got was uh, the uh, like a vintage NYC edition that's really hard to get. <laughs> and uh, it's post 9-11, so it's not that oh vintage, but it's still vintage, vintage enough, so it was hard to get. Um, yeah. Anyways, oh, next cute. episode I'm gonna I'm gonna report back from the Moynihan Hall. I'm gonna <laughs> go there and go nowhere from there. Oh my god, I can't wait until we get our Zoom recorders and then we can do episodes where we just like walk around places and react, but ours will actually be funny, unlike that other yeah. podcast. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of people doing like cross country Amtrak travels during COVID. Oh fun. For like, you know, it's like 48 hours to 72 hours. It's like a, a scenic route sort of travels. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I really want to do that. Yeah. I really want to do a Oprah and Gail cross-country road trip with you. Oh, uh, is that like a Thelma and Louise? Uh, <laughs> yeah. thing? Except we don't crash off a cliff. We just make it to Santa Monica Pier and go ride oh, the roller coaster. Cute. cute. And get corn dogs. Oh, Yes. What did you want to segue to? Sorry, I cut oh, you off. No, 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 you didn't. Uh, just wanted to do a little setup. Um, our little BuzzFeed quiz. Oh, yeah. Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so on BuzzFeed, uh, we'll post a little link or a screenshot or something on Instagram at 
thoughts on art. That's thoughts with a zero. Um, it says your knowledge of artistic styles will reveal how smart you are. <laughs> Guess uh, we're idiots then. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. we'll Do see you how this goes. Ex- Do you know your expressionism from your impressionism? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so we're gonna do a Da Vinci Twins sort of uh, impersonation. Uh, I guess we'll also have to describe the artwork to our listeners yeah. who might not know what it's uh, what we're talking about. Um, let's do it. Okay, so the first one is Campbell's Soup Cans by Andy Warhol. Um, it currently looked- showing it. Currently showing in MoMA. I actually saw it like a week and a half ago. Ah, nice. It's like S- seared into my. It's just etched into my mind that when I, you know pass by it in the museum it doesn't even register yeah yeah exactly okay so this uh it it's the classic campbell soup can for those of you who haven't seen it mm-hmm. but it, the options are dada cubism pop art or surrealism okay that's an easy one that's an easy one okay. one pop art Two, three, okay. Oh. <laughs> it's okay okay pop art, pop art. Correct. Yes, correct. It's pop art. Pop art was an art movement that emerged in the 1950s and flourished in the 1960s in America and Britain, drawing inspiration from sources in popular and commercial culture. Look, we're so educational in this episode. Okay, exactly. This Amazing. is Amazing. This could be a teaching aid in the public yeah, education exactly. system. Uh, you're going to have to pay a fee on JSTOR to access this episode. <laughs> um Okay, number two, Guernica by Pablo Picasso, a famous wall size, like mural size. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I gave it out. I'm like, I'm like Kirsten Wig on that SNL skit. Okay, that should we bleep that out in editing? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Um, very famous mural size painting by Pablo Picasso depicting the massacre at Guernica in the during the Civil War in Spain. I probably botched some <laughs> trivia <laughs> detail in my description. Okay. Our options are fauvism, cubism, maximalism, or futurism. You go ahead. Uh, I believe it's cubism. Correct. Correct. It's cubism. Cubism was a revolutionary new approach to representing reality invented in around 1907 to 1908 by artists Pablo Picasso and George Brock. They brought different views of subjects, usually objects or figures, together in the same picture, resulting in paintings that appear fragmented and abstracted. Honestly, cubism is one of my most hated movements <laughs> of art. Like, I truly, I, I walk away from any any hanging of cubism or work at museums. I just watched uh, one of those MoMA tutorials by that yeah. guy, the one that ta- uh, taught me how to make that Ad Reinhardt matte paint. Mm-hmm. Um, those videos are really fun, uh, but he did a whole one about cubism. <laughs> you should watch it it's so tacky like i watched that one where helen mirren explains kandinsky Mm -hmm. sorry dame helen mirren (laughs) um that's all the patience i had for it It was like three minute long okay number three mona lisa by leonardo da vinci (laughs) da vinci Uh, da vinci our options are baroque renaissance impressionism or constructivism what the hell is constructivism? <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, you know, like Russian, uh, Tatlin, you know, early modernism, shapes. Like, 
like Dada style, like, uh, like um, you know, just like some scattered uh, colored shapes on a sheet of paper. That's constructivism. I'm gonna have to look <laughs> it up. I have no idea what it okay. is. Okay, so what is your gut reaction? We know it's not constructivism. Oh, it is, like just a uh, side note. There's this show about constructivism at Momena, which I saw, but it's just like I have no more patience for that. Like that's the type of stuff that we it was like uh, uh, spoon fed to us at Udaka. It's just totally. I really have no more patience for it. Yeah. For it. Um, so our options, as I said, are Baroque, Renaissance, Impressionism, or Constructivism. I mean, it's clearly Renaissance, isn't it? Yeah, I that was my gut feeling. Renaissance. Let's okay. see. Correct. Correct. It's Renaissance. Um, Renaissance is a French word meaning rebirth, now used in English to describe the great revival of art that took place in Italy from about 1400 under the influence of, a, of the rediscovery of classical art and culture. Also, uh, during was that during or post or pre-Dark Ages? I feel like that was the tail... Yeah, no, definitely Renaissance yeah. is the tail end of the Dark Ages because yeah, it's the rebirth. rebirth. Yeah. Uh, okay. This reminds me of the art history teacher I had, or professor in university, who would say Renaissance. Oh, that's the British pronunciation. <laughs> Renaissance. Okay. Um, also, funnily enough, our, uh, our Moonface logo for this podcast, <laughs> our avatar, is pretty similar to Mona Lisa's face. It's true. If you just mirror Mona Lisa, she is the Moonface, which is uh, our inner avatar. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it in person? No, I've I have not been to the Louvre. I've also I've walked past the pyramid, the I M Pay edition to the museum. But Rest in peace. Yeah, but I get oh. stressed Wait, out. Wait, hold on, hold on, just a second. Okay. Someone's coming in. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, sorry. I I haven't had we haven't had water here for like. Uh, I've been out of hot water and heating for eight and a half days, and it's uh, it's. Oh my God. It's like fucking rocket science to get those boilers to work Jesus. properly. I'm like taking my hat off to this to this guy. Like I just feel embarrassed for being an artist and a non-contributing member to society because <laughs> this person's actually doing something that's beneficial. Yeah. And you just outed yourself as a podcaster, so I did, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> a non-Patreon podcaster. Exactly. But twenty twenty one, we're gonna get there. Yeah, the epitome of white privilege. I just outed myself. Um, yeah, I actually, I went on a bar mitzvah trip with my dad to uh, London and Paris. And I, uh, did we, yeah, yeah, we went to the Louvre. And I I, get, I saw it, like, as in person as I could, because it's just, like, there's rings of people surrounding it. Oh, my God. And it's behind plexiglass. Um, and back then, people were still allowed to take pictures with their flashes oh, yeah. on, which is God. insane. Yeah, I just, those massive museums stress me out. Like, I haven't been to the Louvre and I haven't been to the Met because I'm just overwhelmed by going to the Met. Um, I feel Honestly, like- COVID has been amazing for that. And I feel like you every now and then read like uh, an article about this or that museum in Italy or in France where the locals are just so grateful for this yeah. one in a lifetime gift of going to the museum and just, you know, getting to walk up close to the art because there's just no tourists. Okay, so next time I'm in New York and we get our Zoom recorders, let's go to the Met together. That would be a funny episode. Oh, yeah. We'll get shushed out of the door. <laughs> exactly. Um, we, we could get, like, headset mics. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be fun. Or we uh, can just, uh, yeah, we can mime it. 
<laughs> okay, so the next one, uh, everyone will recognize The Persistence of Memory by Salvador Dali. It's the droopy, goopy clocks. Yeah, melting clocks everywhere. And, and is that a face? Yeah, it looks like a, a face. I, I think there's a pocket watch that has black ants all over it. Uh, Scary. Yeah. I mean, that's so tacky. It's tacky. It's, it's really um, tacky. something you would buy that's, you know, uh, what's that printing process called? I don't know. You can buy a bunch of crappy merchandise with this printed on it. I mean, uh, it's not his fault. Yeah, I'm sure not, it was pretty. It's not his fault. <laughs> I'm sure it was pretty avant garde when it came out. Like, one of my all time favorite movies is uh, Woody Allen's uh, Midnight in Paris. I watched it like seven times. And it's a it's like a retelling of that gang in Paris in the twenties. Um, so uh, Salvador Dali and of course I'm blanking on all the names now Hemingway and what's the Dyke's name who had a salon Gertrude Stein, played by Kathy Bates. But of course, <laughs> um, it's it's an amazing movie. They like go back in time that like, yeah, you should watch it. I'm not going to spoil okay. it to your listeners. Okay. Uh, okay. So what are options? Symbolism, Baroque, mm-hmm. social realism, and surrealism. Ooh, one of those is a false flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I, I think I know the answer because yeah. it's pretty obvious, but you go ahead. Okay. I think it's surrealism. Let's click and see. Correct. <gasps> surrealism is a 20th 20th century literary philosophical and artistic movement that explored the workings of the mind championing the irrational the poetic and the revolutionary that sounds a lot like uh this kind of painting nowadays that looks like new york times illustrations basically I mean, I kind of like Magritte's work. I saw it at the uh, at the Pompidou Center on the very same bar mitzvah trip with my dad to, <laughs> to Paris. Mm-hmm. I think his work's way more refined than uh, than Dali's work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I don't know if it didn't stand the hasn't stood the test of time, or if it's just been like merchandised to death to the point where it's like you can't look at it anymore. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Honestly, all the examples on this quiz are a little uh, chewed up. Okay, number five, Girl with a Pearl Earring by Johannes Vermeer. Um, I don't think we have to describe this painting. Everybody knows it. Yeah, and actually, op- you, yeah. Uh, just a quick side note. This is funny because there was some quiz that my first ex made me do that was about all of this. Uh, and Girl with the Pearl Earring came up. And I'm like, of course I know this one. He's like, well, which one is that? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I don't remember. So <laughs> Yeah. And that um, was like 14 years ago. Yeah. Let's, um, let, you know, let's pick up the pace because there's pl- plenty more paintings on this quiz. Okay. I know. Expressionism, Renaissance, Pointillism, or Baroque? I want to say Renaissance again. Yeah. It's not Pointillism. And it's not Baroque, because Baroque sounds French and Vermeer was Dutch. Yeah, and also Baroque to me is just kind of more opulent, and yeah, this is sad, and it's yeah. not very expressionistic, so should we try Renaissance? Honestly, she looks like a from. <laughs> totally. 
She looks like she went to that clinic, ProCare or whatever it's called, and got the illicit uh, COVID vaccine. She just looks like a survivor of the uh, of the uh, of the Crown Heights riots of 1995. <laughs> oh my God, you're terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm clicking Renaissance. Wrong. Ooh, it's Baroque. It's Baroque. It's so okay. not Baroque to me. I guess so. So Baroque, Baroque was a dominant style in art and architecture of the 17th century, characterized by self-confidence, dynamism, and a realistic approach to depiction. Honestly, huh. it sounds like a it sounds, sounds like a re- yeah yeah it sounds like a scheme. Yeah, sounds like post-rationalization. Yeah, she's on a black background. Like, I'm sorry. Bye. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, number six, Water Lilies by Claude Monet. Monet. Monet, Manet, day day. Okay, Impressionism, Pointillism, Expressionism, or Realism? I know it's Impressionism. True. Yes. Impressionism developed in France in the 19th century and is based on the practice of painting out of doors and spontaneously on the spot rather than in the studio from sketches. Main Impressionist subjects were landscapes and scenes of everyday life. Or on okay. the plain air, as they say. Uh-huh. <laughs> A fresco. Um, oh, God. Sorry, someone just buzzed on. Not getting that. Okay, number seven, The Scream by Edward Monk. Um, our options are Rococo, Impressionism, Expressionism, or New Objectivity. What do you say? Not Rococo. Nope. It's not Impressionism. It's expressionism. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Expressionism refers to the art in which the image of reality is distorted in order to make it expressive of the artist's inner feelings or ideas. Um, let's... Okay, there's two left. Let's do oh, them. Thank God. Okay. Uh, con- <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For, li- for listeners who haven't dropped out on us, uh, yeah. the um, next one is Convergence by Jackson Pollock. <laughs> great title <laughs> so the um, options are surrealism fauvism abstract expressionism uh and pop art and so here's a, a hint if you've listened to us talk about the cia before you'll know the answer to this one yeah wait a wait a second can i uh can i quiz you yeah it's not it's not the it's not the right answer on this uh question but can you name one fauvist artist no <laughs> No, I can't. I've heard you the sh- term. I studied art history in university, and I've forgotten everything. So, uh, Matisse. Oh, I love Matisse. Yeah. So, fauvism, fauvism was uh, just a style of painting with like vivid expressionistic and uh, uh-huh. use of color, essentially. So, um, yeah, fauvism. Okay. okay. Well, love fauvism. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a stan. Um, well, the answer to this Jackson Pollock, um, or Jackson Polak, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that'll be my next persona. Mm -hmm. Um, the crafts person as painter, uh, abstract expressionism is the answer. True. Let's see if they mention the CIA in the description (laughs) of abstract expressionism. Can you read it back? Yeah. Abstract expressionism abstract expressionism is the term applied to new forms of abstract art developed by American painters such as Jackson Pollock, 
Mark Rothko, and Willem de Kooning in the 1940s and 1950s. It is often characterized by gestural brushstrokes or mark making and the impression of spontaneity. Um, and it was sure. a soft uh, power tool pushed by the CIA, <laughs> which the ABXNY video on YouTube from MoMA did not address at all. <laughs> nope. So, um, And funnily enough, Jackson Pollock, before he made his now famous uh, drip paintings, was a, uh, uh, I wouldn't call him a disciple, but he was in Orozco's uh, famous workshop on Union Square uh, when there was that, you know, big exchange between uh, Mexican muralists and like downtown um, New York artists. And so there was a pretty long period where um, Jackson Pollock, so be- sorry, before that workshop with Rotsko, Pollock uh, did a lot of like social realism stuff. And then the workshop at Union Square was where Pollock got to like experiment with different types of, uh, um, you know, approaches to the canvas. And it was said that it was at that workshop where the drip paintings sort of saw the light of day for the very first time. Mm, interesting. So just a, a bit of historical tidbit to our listeners who... <laughs> haven't dropped out after our tedious quiz taking <laughs> um okay very last one the starry night by vincent van uh as uh nanette pronounces it van gogh gawk <laughs> van gogh um i actually that's another another covid sort of amazing opportunity i got to see it really up close now that moma is practically empty of tourists uh i got to walk up walk up really close to it and see it uh um see it up close it's beautiful i honestly it's it's not his best paintings they're like better ones clearly there's some marvelous ones at the museum in tel aviv um i like the ones of his that are more like aggressively outlined in black all the figures um and also to mention the starry night in connection to previous episodes of ours (laughs) i know where (laughs) you're going the traveling van gogh light (laughs) exhibition as seen on emily in paris the immersive experience you can walk through and i will just say i'm not scoffing at it or being like elitist or anything like that but like my sister went to see it when it was uh traveling to israel and they had the time of their lives like that's how you bring like art history exactly essentially immersive art experiences totally Okay, our options, uh, movement and style-wise, for Van Gogh's Starry Night is post-impressionism, situationism, which I never heard of, neoclassicism, <laughs> which kind of sounds like an architectural term, whatever, and vorticism. What the hell is vorticism? Yeah. Okay, it's not vorticism, even though it looks like there's many vortices in this painting. That's Sorry, a gonna false flag. To, I'm going to have to look up vorticism. It's not uh, situationism. Oh, it's, I guess... Sorry, I guess vorticism is just like that Russian movement you mentioned. Uh, constructivism. Yeah. It's just like a, the British version of constructivism, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, we like- might be making a lot of historical errors in here, but... Oh, probably. <laughs> um, I have an undergrad degree, so leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overeducated. <laughs> you have read, uh, like, 59 books this year, so... Uh, 29, and I'm actually uh, <laughs> trying to beat the clock and finish finish the last, the 30th book before tomorrow night. 
Okay, um, it's not neoclassicism because I don't see any Corinthian columns. Uh, yeah. So let's guess post-impressionism. Yeah, because Van Gogh was an impressionist. I, know, I yeah. feel like that should be that. It's correct. It's post-impressionism. Post-impressionism is a term which describes the changes in impressionism from about 1886, the date of last impressionist group show in Paris. <laughs> wow, a useless tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, BuzzFeed. <laughs> Uh, I just remember the trauma of art history class because we would have, you know, just like a giant grid of images and you had to remember them all for the test. And it would be like, for example, this, this starry night painting is like, who is the artist? What, uh, you know, what's the title and what's the period? And what is that even good for? Exactly, because I forgot everything. It's like, obviously, yeah. the the key iconic works you remember because you're constantly exposed to them. But the thing that you saw just to study for the test, you never remember it again. Like, you don't even remember seeing it because there's just too much information you're going through. Mm -hmm. So, pointless. It is pointless. Um, like, I also... I don't know, I'm just thinking of Picasso, for example, who's like doing... Um, you know, Fauvism for a second and then Impressionism and then Cubism. And like, obviously there's like a lateral influence between all those genres and mediums, but like, I've, what is that even good for? I like that know. historical knowledge. So um, we're not total morons. We got one wrong. So yeah. I can, we can tell our parents that we're not failures. What is what is your all time favorite like movement or medium or work of art? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh my god, <laughs> I have to think about this. <laughs> I feel like I just walked out on stage. <laughs> oh, oh wait, we got we got our our scores are in. You got eight out of nine. Well done. You're an art history expert. Great. Good to know. And it's a, it's a gif of Danny Danny DeVito as that art art spectator. Oh yeah, I love Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, I loved him in that M and M's commercial. He's such an M and M. Oh my god, he's so cute. Um. Okay. What did I? What do I love? You know what? I actually like constructivism, but it's not like my yeah. favorite. Uh, I'm apparently a Fauvism stan because I do love Matisse. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in Paris, when was that, last year, uh, I went to Centre Pompidou and there were, of course, some Matisse works there. There was the one where it's like uh, I oranges. I loved, your, I loved your effortless pronunciation of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I hope no French people are listening, though, because I, I, it's like one of those languages where you tr keep trying and trying and trying and they're like, no, you mispronounce this one breath in the word <laughs> it's fine because they fail miserably at any other language that's not french <laughs> it's funny looking up constructivism on google images that obama hope poster comes up god i mean no how, i mean i how get ri how rich is that artist oh shepherd fairy shepherd fairy <sighs> well he got sued for that poster what? Why? Yeah, uh, because he took a photo. I believe it was an Associated Press photo and made the poster. And that's actually not allowed. Uh, Who sued him? Like the Obama campaign? No, no. The 
uh, the photographer that took the original photo because he never got the Pod Save America guys. Uh, I was doing research on this recently because I wanted to appropriate some images and you, yeah, you basically can't do what he did. It's the same thing as the Richard Prince photos mm-hmm. uh, with the Rastafarians. It's like, even though you've painted this, Im- well, no, I think he actually, wait, Richard Prince lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> One of many. Um, is that the one where our people Emirata sued him? E- yes. No, no, no. This is different. That's those. That's the Instagram things. Mm-hmm. So a photographer had photographed these Rastafarian men, and then basically the Richard Prince piece is just like reprinting the photo and painting on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's like not enough uh, in the eyes of the law, which kind of agree with i don't know like i mean own the copyright of an image you've created any single person every single person along the line of the making of that show enabling richard prince in that in that clusterfuck of a cringe exhibition should truly be ashamed of themselves no that it was show is one of the most pathetic things to happen in art in ages unironically pathetic and just yeah. so cringe worthy yeah. it's just the epitome of boomer cringe yeah, totally yeah and i think instagram should have sued him because <laughs> they also they have some sort of uh license to the image you've created when you post on instagram but even if it's been instagram you still own the copyright like i'm sorry you created this image it is your right to have control over the image also it aged so badly because of the old instagram layout it's like it just looks outdated and lame it's just lame it's lame like get a life lame (laughs) and also his the the other show that's more recent that just looks like uh rasheed johnson's work essentially those fucking like artists that are just too big to fail yeah no exactly too big to fail great you took instagram images and left like pervy comments on them like look at those knockers yeah and guess who loved it (laughs) jerry salts shocker fellow lame (laughs) um yeah so uh i guess tonight's the last day tonight is the last night of 2020 so should we maybe commemorate this past year somehow yeah we're we're gonna do uh amir and pashemek's favorite things 2020 Mm -hmm. it's like the oprah list yeah (laughs) no no giveaways no goodie bags for no car under your seat right now yeah maybe after we go to norway we'll hand out teslas (laughs) to everyone Uh, a low range tesla all right amir what was one of your favorite things in 2020 uh one of the things that truly got me through this year was uh just reading (laughs) i mean as i mentioned (laughs) a couple of minutes ago yeah uh, as i mentioned a couple of minutes ago reading really got me through this year it was just the the best form of escapism for me and i am at my almost uh 
almost at my 30th book of the year. And just to mention some of the ones that I love the most were Ferrante's Neapolitan Quartet <laughs> and her novellas, especially after our trip to Tuscany. Uh, she really helped me sort of uh, get closer to my feminine side. <laughs> uh, and also uh, American's best novelist, John Williams, who wrote a Stoner, Augustus, Butcher's Crossing that I think was like uh, The Revenant was loosely based on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Gore Vidal's American Empire series. I'm like a history buff, so I really got into this like retellings of early like American history uh, in his catty and cunty voice. Um, <laughs> and I also read Woody Allen's biography, Sorry Haters, but it's amazing and it's so fun. It's just filled with like nostalgia and shit-mouthing um, Mia Farrow. <laughs> Deservedly so. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. She's um, crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that shitty song. Um, yeah. Sorry if there's any Mia Farrow stands out there. Uh, I'm also not taking sides on any of the like, you know, s- sexual harassment litigation stuff there. Anyways, reading has been one of the things that's really got me through uh, 2020. Um, what about you? Uh, I would say my thing was more passive. <laughs> uh, music has uh, really grounded and centered me. Sorry mm-hmm. to sound so cheesy. But, you know, there's been a lot of staying at home time. Uh, for the first few months of lockdown, I didn't really go anywhere. Like, I would have a tank of gas for a month, basically. And I live out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I have to drive everywhere just to go grocery shopping and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, in this year that's been very stressful at times or very upsetting... It's been nice to be in the car and listen to music or working in the studio and having my jams blasting um, or just to uh, unwind and have me time. Uh, So the albums that made me very happy and relaxed this year uh, were Robin's Honey. By the way, these are most of these are not new albums, but just Robin's Honey. We uh, both saw, we both saw her in concert, right? Yeah, and the show's amazing. And when amazing. the album first came out, I wasn't crazy about it because it didn't have that kind of intensity of the the previous works. But actually, now I think it's my favorite Robin album. Yeah, it's a slow burn. Exactly. So, Robin's Honey, uh, Sky Ferreira's Nighttime, My Time. Oh yes, which we listened to in Tuscany in the car. Yeah, um, and the very best of Fleetwood Mac. I love Fleetwood Mac. Same. And uh, uh, and then I'm not even into the big hits. It's more on that greatest hits compilation. There are tracks that I didn't know, uh, like Silver Springs. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in terms of new albums that struck a chord, uh, and I'm probably biased because these two I just discovered like in the last month, but... For me, they're really the only albums I discovered this year that came out this year that I like truly love and can't stop playing. Uh, and one of them is the new Jesse Ware album, mm-hmm. <laughs> which the previous Jesse Ware things I've heard have been so slow and boring. But this new album, What's Your Pleasure, is basically what Madonna should be making now as like a Confessions on a Dance Floor sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm not a drug person, but this album makes me identify <laughs> with Studio 54 Disco Sluts. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, it is so good. You need to listen to it. I think you'll really love it. I'll give it a try. Yeah. It's it's uh it came up on Spotify. I know we're not supposed to listen to Spotify. Um why? Because of all the streaming services, they apparently pay the worst and have like the worst terms for artists, which like of course it doesn't matter for like the uh Adele's and Britneys of the world, but for all the mm-hmm. kind of mid-tier and lower artists apparently it's a shitty I mean, deal what what is a uh what is a moral alternative to that between apples well apparently apple know, sub- apples is much better for artists that's what uh musician friends have told me yeah but like apples apples manufacturing like somehow bleeding into like wigger concentration camp territory yeah, yeah. in china no that's and, true uh, title which i'm sure something is nefarious <laughs> Um, and then the other new album I loved, which is all thanks to you, is Himes Women in Music Part 3. So good. It's so good. It's the ultimate breezy feel-good album for me. Mm-hmm. It was and such it, a COVID, COVID uplifter. Yeah, I wish, like, you had sent me, you had mentioned it before and I listened to some tracks. Or maybe when the lead single came out, I listened to it and I liked it. But I didn't really listen to the album until a few weeks ago or like a m- month ago and yeah, it's just uh, like a, a solid 45 minutes of fun jewish pop music <laughs> exactly <laughs> and what i like is it feels like it could have been made at any point in the last 30 years but in the best way uh like it has kind of a you know 90s singer songwriter vibe uh but it still feels very fresh and of the moment so uh check it out i love i really love that album too yeah um another item on my list is this podcast (laughs) um honestly this has been like a you know like an open-ended like artist statement exercise essentially um like sometimes you know it's serious and sometimes we're sassy and like most of the stuff we say is like irrelevant or whatever but like when you piece together all these like tidbits of stuff that we say it kind of like comes together to like this puzzle of like what we essentially think about art and how like i personally view my practice um or where like how i position myself in like the greatest greater scope of the the art world and art making like both current and historical uh like normally you know it's hard to like chisel at your own artist statement when you're like um writing an interview like answers for an interview or like application process or whatever but like instead I feel like we've had this amazing opportunity to say like seemingly disparate and irrelevant things that somehow like relate to each other in a way that like maps out would we, yeah, our approach to like art making and uh, the art world. Yeah. No, I think that's a really great one. Uh, it's been so fun doing it with you. It's Same. nice. It's been nice to like every week we have a phone call basically. Yeah. Uh, since we chat all the time on iMessage, but we weren't like regular, you know, FaceTimers or phone call yeah. people. And I mean, we're, we're no intellectuals. So this is a great <laughs> yeah. exercise for us to just like by way of ping ponging ideas back and forth to like chisel at something exactly. a little more, uh, yeah, constructive. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I enjoy that it's a, a safe space and it's our podcast so we can do whatever we want uh, because, yeah. you know, we can be contradictory yeah. <laughs> um, and no one cares. No one's grading us or because that's the thing, you know, when this happens in a, a work context or in school, there's so much at stake that maybe you won't just say stupid things or gut feelings. And you get stage fright. Yeah, exactly. So... I've and really also just just to bring up something that we had mentioned in the first couple of episodes, this is like a non-sycophantic sort of platform because everywhere you go in the art world, it's very hard to truly express what you think because there's either a lot of like monetary investment, like stuff you're yeah. writing on that. So you can't truly be honest and candid about yeah. what you think or like, I don't know, this has just been a great opportunity to yeah. truly be honest. Love it. Yes. Uh... Okay, so another thing that has made me really happy and that, you know, is one of my favorite things uh, is so basic and it's such a basic life amenity, much like your heat and hot water. (laughs) Um, But I finally have a functioning oven and stovetop after three years. (laughs) We should put in a sound effect now for that. Like Like a a standing ovation. (laughs) Totally. Uh, after three years of using a single malfunctioning induction hot plate. <laughs> You're done homesteading? Yeah. So it took me, let's say, a day to get it together. Like, go to the hardware store multiple times and get all these, you know, parts and things. And then a full day of hard work to modify a million things, connect it to a gas tank, wire an electric socket, install it all together. But in the last week, I've done a year's worth of cooking and baking, uh, Mm -hmm. which has been amazing because I actually really enjoy doing that. Um, For Christmas, I made Nigella Lawson's chocolate Guinness cake, which was so good. Uh, Google it. Uh, I also made stuffing, which I haven't had in probably three years or so. Um, And then my... Oh, you would have told you would have totally thrived in the American frontier like in the sixteen hundreds. <laughs> Just like pots of lard boiling everywhere. Yeah, you would yeah, you would like uh, slashed open a buffalo and s- slept in it over and just, totally. just until the blizzard goes away. Um uh, so yeah. my dad made a bunch of things for Christmas too. Um but yeah, I made like that cake and stuffing. And then I made another New York Times recipe, which uh, are these soft frosted sugar cookies, like the ones you would get at Walmart in a clamshell. Mm-hmm. And they're melt in your mouth amazing. And then mm-hmm. yesterday I made Sam Sifton's pan pizza recipe, which took 24 hours. Ooh. Uh, but my parents were raving. Uh, it was like homemade pizza hut. Mm-hmm. And I think you should make it. You are handy with dough. You made challah. Yeah. You should try this pizza. I'll um, give it a try. And get a dairy-free cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today I made roast Brussels sprouts, carrots, onions, potatoes, and orange chicken. And surprised my parents when they came back from the grocery store. And they were really happy. So all in all, it's been a life-changing moment. Amazing. Thanks. Um, one more item on my list, just to name one of the best shows I've seen in 2020. I'm going to take you back to our trip to Italy, to Tuscany. Yes. At the very end of it, we, uh, we took the car and we drove out to, 
I guess, Arezzo, a town next to Arezzo, to the uh, Alber- Alberto Buri Foundation, um, and spent an amazing day there. So Alberto Buri was a, like a post-war um, <laughs> abstract expressionist artist. I don't know that you can even peg him one way or another. Uh, but he had these like really sort of violent canvases that are formed by like transforming rags into like you know bleeding human flesh style uh and he would like you know sear like plastic onto the surface and everything just looks like innards or like gushes uh gashes in like skin he just had a a really sort of violent and expressive like oeuvre and i've been a great fan of his ever since i saw the um retrospective of guggenheim uh, one of the finest show actually that was put on by the Guggenheim in the past like six years, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we just had the great pleasure of sort of sealing off an amazing month in Tuscany by seeing that show. I hope you you shared the same enjoyment as as me on that visit. Oh yeah, I really loved that. Um, it was very educational for me because I wasn't really familiar with his work. Like mm-hmm. when we got there, I had recognized it, but you know, seeing a whole collection of the work was amazing and the space was really yeah. nice. And there was also just a lot outdoor of, works. Yeah. Just a lot of like aggressive surfaces, like burlap and yeah. plastic and, uh, but everything made to look like either like aerial shots of like a, a post-war sort of uh, geography or like yeah. human flesh. Yeah. Uh, a lot of scarring. Sorry. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, Sorry, I, 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 I hate to admit it, but I definitely skew towards the the violent expression yeah. in the aesthetics. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, but I loved I loved the burlap works. Mm-hmm. Loved the plastic works. Very toxic. Um, yeah, he was definitely not wearing any like yeah. protective gear while he was making those works. Yeah. But there's even like pictures of him like you know, the blowtorch, like, working on some plastic and, like, smoking a cigarette at the same time. <laughs> Jesus. Like old school style. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the kind of, you know, non-traditional art materials in yeah. use. I always appreciate that. Yeah. Um, sorry, call it Home Depot art if you want, but I don't have a problem with it. Totally. Uh. But he also just had an amazing eye for composition color palettes etc etc i mean it's not it doesn't just take a trip to home depot to uh sort of mimic a facsimile of his works like you truly need to have an eye for it yeah and he like belongs to that group of artists you know post-war that kind of were experimenting with materials and surfaces like donald judd and forms and shapes and stuff like that uh but he's one of the leading ones especially those who have you know made a lasting impression outside of italy like italian born i mean yeah, that was uh, that was one of the best shows I've seen this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely was for me too because I really didn't see any others. So. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the online viewing rooms, of exactly the, the OVRs. The OVR, I'm over the OVRs. Yeah, um, no, but I did love seeing that. Uh, well, I'll talk about my Tuscany thing because that's on my list too. Under uh, the Tuscan sun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just feel really fortunate that we were there for a month, which was February, and then we got back, and exactly a week later, everything shut down. A bullet dodged. Yeah, because we got back 
March 6th. I'm just shocked that we didn't get coronavirus in Italy, considering we were at the Vatican Museum crammed in like seas of thousands of people. Also, some of the best memorabilia I have ever like come home with from a trip, both a pen from the Bury Foundation and a fucking pen from the Vatican City yeah, gift and, shop. And I regret not getting that pen from the Vatican post office because it was in Comic Sans. <laughs> and also the the yeah the multiple postcards I've sent throughout the residency, uh, only like three out of ten made it to New York. Thanks, Italian Post. Oh my god. Um. And those porchetta sandwiches at the oh my god yeah the Vatican Museum food court are unbelievable, <laughs> and I had a flavor flashback to that a few days ago. My parents bought this uh, roast pork from the deli that you're supposed to cut up yourself to make sandwiches, and it was that same flavor, but Damn. of course I didn't have the bread happening all the other toppings in there. That was one of the best sandwiches I've had in my life. <laughs> I'm salivating. Yeah. So we need to go back just for that sandwich. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also we got to sneak a photo of the Sistine Chapel. Uh, oh yeah, you were so good at that. Remember yeah. where I was like, wait, where's that iconic part with like God's finger? <laughs> and you're like, it's right there. Like, yeah. Oh, so easy to miss. <laughs> Actually, the Vatican collection has some amazing contemporary works. Like, there's it a did beautiful actually. Ma- Matisse, Matisse cutout yeah. wall size that is definitely in need of a uh, some uh, restoration. Yeah. Uh, but they had they have some amazing works in their collection. We Just, need, we need to get in that collection. Yeah, I mean I'm they're saying. gonna. They're going to start selling it off sooner or later just to pay off all the lawsuits. I think. <laughs> sexual <laughs> totally. sexual assault lawsuits. Sad but true. Yeah. Um, I miss going on our jaunts to Siena. Going oh, we got to, same. Yeah. Going to Nanini. To Nanini. How to, would you describe Nanini? Uh, Nanini is what you would imagine an Italian espresso bar with a pastry counter ample offerings ample offerings and ample space um yeah you can stand at the counter or sit down on the table we always stood at the counter and we would get like a cannoli to go or there were those fun tarts and things Mm -hmm. uh yeah it was our ritual and i just want to i just really want to thank you because you made it extra special because uh, you were so gung-ho about like doing activities and you took me to Rome and it was a a fraught time for me where I was very anxious about finances and you treated me to a lot of nice things and I really appreciate it. You made it oh, so special. It was, my, it was my pleasure. We had the best time in Rome. Yeah, it was amazing. And yeah. Such a beautiful city and country. I'm really sorry for everything that happened there this past year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure it'll it'll reemerge stronger and better from this whole thing. Yeah. Well, they're building a stage at the Coliseum for concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I just read that in the news today. There will be like a roll-in stage. Oh um Well, in, in other news, I think I'm going to go to Israel to get vaccinated because it seems like it's going to take forever. <laughs> um to get one here in new york so maybe next time we record the uh, episode i'll be in israel um getting jabbed as the british <laughs> call <laughs> god jabbed um 
Well, in 15 days, I get to go to the government website and make an appointment. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Well, you know, it's still going to be months and months and months away. But according to public research polling, there's a lot of people that don't want the vaccine. <laughs> so maybe I'll, yeah, so maybe I'll get bumped ahead really far and yeah. get it in like two months. Can I just say American non-private sector initiatives are just some of the worst in the world. Anything that's driven by the local, either city government, state government, or federal government, it's just shambolic. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to take months here. You would think that the country that sort of spearheaded this trailblazing, like, innovation of a vaccine will also get its citizens vaccinated first, but I guess yeah. not. <laughs> Uh, well, so way to way to go, progressive mayor um, Bill De Blasio. Yeah, uh, can't wait but, to vote you out of office. But I understand federalism and why it's the system and concept. But in a country of like 350 million people, it's a shit show to not ever be able to just say like this is how this is happening. For example, yeah. a system of vaccination or. It's just infuriating because I saw a graph of the allotments that were given to every state and New York State has only used up 20% of uh, the doses that uh, that are received so far. Like, are you fucking kidding me? This oh is an God. emergency. You've been pumping it in the news for eight, nine yeah. months. This is an emergency. You're sitting on vaccine doses. You're not uh, administering them. Well, exactly. And it's not that they can only do it at hospitals or whatever. Like, from the sounds of it, as a clinic, you basically apply to get the the vaccines and you just do it yeah i think that's exactly. kind of the system everywhere so like what's the hold up i don't get it oh well let's hope for a better 2021 i think it's very impossible and improbable that 2021 is yeah. not going to be significantly better than 2020 even though 2020 was a great sort of opportunity for personal evolution and yeah. i don't know progress yeah. Well, on that note, um, I guess I'll chat with you next year. <laughs> <laughs> See you on the flip side. Oh my god. Is that a sliders reference? <laughs> oh my god, it should be. <laughs> All right. Well have um, an amazing and safe New Year's Eve and um talk to you in twenty twenty one. Yeah, see you in the next year. <laughs> See you next year. Choose. Choose. Bye. Bye.